If you're an ambitious business owner ready to think big, rewrite your own rules and take action to skyrocket your business know-how, your profit, your cash flow, and most importantly, your free time, then this is the podcast for you. You're listening to the Simply Smarter Numbers podcast, and I'm your host, Jen Waterson. I'm a business profit coach helping business owners just like you make more profit and take back their time. So hit subscribe now and let's dive in. If you think you're not a numbers person, then think again. Today, I was lucky enough to chat with fellow numbers expert, Julie Alec from Manchester in the United States about real business numbers, the simple business numbers that you need to know in your business. Now, before you cringe and want to jump ship at the thought of two numbers experts talking numbers, I can assure you that we're going to keep it real and we're going to keep it practical. Welcome to the podcast, Julie. Hi, Jen. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to have you on the podcast. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your business and where you're from. Sure thing. I am the founder and CEO of a consulting company called JLA Analytics. I'm based out of the United States, out of Manchester, New Hampshire, which is about an hour away from Boston. What I do, in a nutshell, I bring clarity to chaos. I work for business owners who struggle to identify actionable insights from their numbers, and they want to make informed decisions in order to build a profitable, sustainable business that aligns with their lifestyle. I love that, Julie. Clarity to chaos. That's that's a really nice way to put it, actually, because I am certain that when you're talking to business owners everywhere, the minute it comes to numbers, the word chaos would just mean so much to them. <laughs> that's exactly it. Yep. And I love looking at numbers and I love talking with them and helping them through it, showing them what I see, and what the numbers are saying. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I love doing that myself as well. And I guess this is where it's going to be a great conversation where we'll have to be really careful not to go too, too technical and too into the numbers and try and keep it real for everybody that's listening. Because so many people out there, we were talking just before, uh, before we hit record, there are so many people out there that will put the red flag up pretty much straight away when it comes to numbers and throw out the old, but I'm not a numbers person. So what do you say to people, Julie, that that say, I'm not a numbers person? Yeah, I hear that a lot also. And I guess I say a couple of things. Well, one thing I say is, you know, if you understand dollars and cents, you understand numbers. It's just a different way of thinking of them, right? And I don't know about you, but a lot of times I hear people, they'll say, I'm not a numbers person. I barely got through high school algebra, you know, by the skin of my teeth, I passed it or something like that. I don't know numbers. I don't understand. And I say, you know what? Well, that was a while ago, at least for me, you know, that was a while ago. And, um, you know, learning different subjects, learning math, learning um, foreign languages, there's different ways you can teach that. And I think I came, I became a lot more um, cognizant of that just with my children and seeing how they learn differently. And they learn at different paces. They learn better and worse depending on how their teacher 
was actually teaching it. So, Absolutely. you know, it's a really it back, good point. Mm. Yeah. I kind of put it back to them and say, you know, don't give up on yourself. It very well could have been that you just, the way that your brain is wired to understand something like math, right. Just didn't click with yeah. the teacher you happen to have. Um, and, and there's also got to be that lack of interest there, doesn't it? Like who's really interested in learning algebra unless your brain just naturally goes, just give me that stuff. I'm just going to eat this algebra up. I love it, which is yep. not too many people that I come across at school and not myself either. I was not great at maths at school, nope. but it's when it's interesting, you know, no matter what it is you're learning, if you're interested in it, and let's just assume that everybody that's listening to the podcast today is interested in their own business. So if you're in business, you're already a numbers person. It's just perhaps the way we frame it in our own minds, isn't it? I like that. I like how you put that, Jen. Yeah. And you know what? I mean, I tell people, people assume that I was basically born with a calculator in my hand. And yes, I get that a lot too. I I was not. My undergraduate degree is a double major in French literature and history. I didn't start oh, yeah. doing this number stuff. I was always fine, you know, at math and everything, but I didn't start doing this until I had to when I was in graduate school, right? And I wanted to study democratization in Eastern Europe. And I went to work with a... Um, professor to be a research assistant. And he said, well, what kind of stats background do you have? And I'm like, I don't have any. I'm like, and I'm thinking in my head, why do I need a stats background to study, you know, politics in Eastern Europe? He's like, this is why X, Y, Z, go take a couple of classes and come back. And it was, you know, when I saw that I wanted to do something and I needed it, that's That's relevant. Exactly. And Jen, I think that's, you know, and like the point you said earlier, you know, if you're in business, you're interested in numbers. I think for a lot of people, that's probably going, that's why they're listening to this podcast and to other podcasts too, because they realize that it might not be, you know, the thing that, you know, they absolutely love and they're burning. They were, they weren't born with a calculator, but they sure want to make their business succeed. And in order to do that, yeah, yeah, you got to at least have some knowledge and have some comfort level with it. Mm. And and as a business owner, you already know so much more than you give yourself credit for. And, and you'll know that whether or not you're pricing your services at a particular product is working for you or isn't working for you. You won't know to what extent, but your gut feel will tell you that I know I need to change this up, but what do I change it to is where it becomes perhaps easier to help to get some um, outsourced help with pricing when it comes to things like, and we're going to talk through some different metrics and things today that when we talk about metrics and things that can slot into your business and really work for you and help you to build the profitability in your business. A lot of the stuff that we're going to talk about, I suspect, is things that business owners already know to some degree. It's just about how to look at it a little bit differently and then how you can practically build it into your business. You know, Jen, I really like how you said um, you said a couple sentences ago, you know, that people have a gut feeling. They probably have a gut feeling. And that's what I tell people also. Listen to your gut 
but then look at your numbers, look at your data to figure out whether your gut is, you know, on the right track, mm, right? Yeah, yeah. And then what to do. But yeah. definitely, I'm I'm with you there. Yeah. And I often say to people too, the, the, the reason you need to have a reasonable grasp of your numbers. Now, you don't need to know everything that your accountant knows. They, You should have a good relationship with your accountant. They should know all of the accountancy type stuff that that is like super important and you need to have that relationship with them where you can go and say, okay, well, what about this? You know, I always say to people, you need to be able to have a, a good enough relationship with your accountant to ask the questions that you think are dumb. You know, ask those dumb questions. I'm saying those with sort of air fingers here because if you have a good relationship with your accountant, there is a certain level of stuff that you can leave with them. I'm hesitant to say that because there are too many people that just leave everything up to their accountant and that's that's not okay. But if you can have conversations around all of the accountancy type things, then that's a really good start. And if not, then, well, maybe we need to look at finding you a different one or something along those lines. But when it comes to the actual running of the day-to-day running of your business, there's some really important metrics that I think we can give people some insight in today. And I'd love for you to just kick off perhaps with, with what your thoughts are on the important metrics that business owners really need to know. Yeah, yeah. I'm happy to. And I think that I really don't, I don't envy business owners who, who, who aren't, you know, just lovers of like metrics and everything like you and me are right. Because yeah. there's so many metrics out there and it is so easy to get lost. I mean, everyone and their grandmother has this kind of metric, that kind of metric. You need to and focus. It works for one person doesn't always work for you as well. You know, just because your your best friend in business is measuring A, B, and C doesn't mean that A, B, and C is necessarily the most uh, the best place for you to place your your energy. You got it. Because what you need to be focusing on and placing your energy is what the questions are that are important for your business, and that's where I always start with clients. Um, is I don't necessarily want to see their data. I want, don't want to look at their data. I want to sit with them and say, okay, what are your questions? Hmm. Sometimes they'll have some goals. Sometimes they might even have a strategic plan, but that's where you start because that's where you get the vision, right? And you get, those are the overarching themes for the business. And until you can understand that, then from there, you work yourself downwards to, okay, so if this is important to you, then X metric is going to be something you're definitely going to want to keep an eye on, right? Mm. And if something else is important to you, you're going to definitely want to keep an eye on metric Y. All those other ones that you can find out there in the press or, you know, or, you know, whoever wrote a book or anything, all well and good. But for you and your goals, you need to be, you know, keeping an eye on X and on Y and everything else is just noise. That's really great advice to reduce the overwhelm because it can become terribly overwhelming um, when you feel that you need to know everything. And I think it's really important as a business owner to do just what you've said, know which 
numbers are important for you in order to reach the next step of your business, the next stage of your business. And if you can get a grasp of one particular number, it, it's actually surprising how easy it comes to you. Once you've been looking at these things for a certain period of time, it becomes easy for you to record it, easy for you to understand where what the benchmark should be. So um, as an example, there are business owners out there that, that have no idea really of the margins, the margins that they're charging on products that they're selling. And if you don't know those margins or you're just kind of guessing or you have no real idea that your overall margins is just slipping by 1% here and another percent the next month and slipping by another percent the next month, if you're not monitoring something as simple as your margins over a period of time, then how do you know that you're not losing money? How do you know that 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 isn't causing you to lose, you know, every dollar that you lose in your margins is a dollar that is is not coming into your back pocket, essentially. Got so it. you yeah. got it. And you know, the other thing people seem to, another thing, um, they seem to think that this is going to take a ton of time to do, right? That keeping an eye on yeah. your numbers is going to be really intense and uh, maybe a time suck or something. But you know, you brought up a good point there when you talked about looking at margins and looking at them from one month to the next. That's the most, in my view, that's the most important thing is to be actually looking at it consistently over a week or a month or whatever works for your business, right? And not to just do some sort of ginormous deep dive and then never go back again. But yeah, that's, you know, that's, have- that's not going to be friendly to anyone. It's overwhelming. It's hard. You don't know really what you're looking at. But when you can, when you can look at things over a period of time, they start to have more meaning. All of a sudden, in two or three months' time, you're going to look at that, look at those same numbers, and go, "Oh, geez, that's a bit less than it was last month. Why? Why is it less?" You got it. You got it. Mm. The trends, the stories, they start surfacing once you add in that time element. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, great. So particular metrics that you'd love to talk about today, what do you think, Julie? Should we talk about customer retention, customer loyalty, that sort of thing, and how the numbers around those can help a business owner to grow their businesses? I think that's one that I I ask a lot of people about. If And if, if clients don't ask me or don't bring it up, I will bring it up to them. What's your yeah. customer retention rate? And it's, it's interesting where the conversation goes after that, because sometimes you get the deer in the headlights look, which is yeah. they, they just aren't even measuring it, right? And so that's an opportunity to talk to them about, well, have you thought about why it's important to, you know, that it's, you know, studies have shown that it's six to seven times cheaper to retain a customer then gain a new one. I mean, if you just want to look at it from from that perspective or, you know, look at it from, you know, your customers or for service-based companies like mine, your your clients, right? You're building a relationship with them. And, you know, you want to have that be ongoing, right? So you do want to retain that. You want to retain your customers and build that relationship. And, you know, a customer that you've, built up that no like and trust factor with 
is more likely to come back and you know purchase more or maybe refer more people um, to you going forward. So that's that's one conversation starter that that usually is is right at the top of my list. Yeah, and having being able to retain your customers, I guess it's a way one way to look at it is that you work so hard to get your customers. You get work so hard to to get those clients in the first place. Why not keep selling to them over and over again? Now, obviously in certain industries this is easier than others, but if you have those clients there, then you've already done the hard yards. You've already done the marketing expense to get them on your books. The, the no like trust factor is as you said already sitting there. So so why not continue to sell and even build your service offering in such a way that you can sell a particular product to that client first and then the natural progression for them is to move into this particular service or product and so on and so on. It's just to not lock them into your little world but lock them into your little world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, exactly. And, you know, the other thing then that I, I push my clients by, by asking about is, um, you know, a customer doesn't equal a customer doesn't equal a customer, right? We know, I think we all know that we've got different kinds of customers, different types, um, different behaviors, right? And so it's very interesting and it's very helpful if you can break up, you know, your kind of monolithic kind of idea of your customer into a couple of different groups or, you know, buckets or um, segments, right? And if you start looking at the retention rate among those, and that's going to be telling you some interesting stories also, because one, which one is higher? Why is it higher, right? So that's going to give you more insight into a lot of other things, into the the products that each buys, um, you know, the margins on those products, that sort of thing. Yeah. So that's really going to get you, give you a chance to really think and know your customers better and yeah. align your products with them more. And are you ret- are you retaining the clients that you want to retain? Are you rec- retaining the clients that you feel are going to be able to continue to buy from you into the long term you know are they the type of clients that you love working with are you retaining the clients that you particularly maybe even don't like working with it's so I guess a lot of that then if you're measuring the actual customer the client retention which by the way perhaps um, like to give people a really quick easy way to think about how do I measure client retention then I guess a simple example um, would be, say, if you have 300 clients on the books and 210 of those are clients that continue to use your services at the end of a given period, then you have a retention rate of 70%. So this is like a really quick little way of, for those of you that are sitting there going, but how, but how, but how? (laughs) So there's a quick but how. And then from there, once you know that, okay, well, I'm retaining, like like you said, Julie, that's a really great way to look at it, putting them into different buckets. If you have different types of clients, am I retaining the, the right clients? Am I retaining the ones that I want to continue to work with? And then if I'm not continuing, uh, 
excuse me, if I'm not retaining the ones that I would love to continue working with, why not? And what can I do from a strategic or tactical perspective to increase that number from 70% to 75 or maybe it's low at 30% and you want to increase your retention rate of particular clients to 35%. How do you get that jump in 5%? And that gives you the opportunity to ask that question. You got it. And that's where, and that's where so much, and then that feeds right back into your goals, right? Absolutely. you know, one of your buckets of customers might be clients I like to work with, clients I don't like to work with. And if your retention rate is really high among the ones you don't want to work with, then then you need to think about, you know, I mean, as we build our businesses, sure, we want to have profit, we want to uh, build something that's sustainable, but we, I don't think any of us really once really got into this to be unhappy to be constantly unhappy. You know what I mean? Um, So that's also something, it's a good way to kind of think through who exactly Mm. your ideal client is, not just from the perspective of them buying your services, but how, how well they work within your vision of your business and your life. Yeah, yeah. Really important, I think, for people to think that way as well. And if you're finding that the that you're not retaining the clients that you would love to retain into the future, then you really are at a point where you can say, well, what's the strategy? What's or the tactical approach that I'm going to take? You know, what is it that I can do? How can I do I need to create a, a client communication calendar, which says every month or every quarter, I'm going to get back in touch with those clients that I really want to work with and touch base with them so they don't forget about me. And, and, and you know, is there some simple sort of strategies that you can put in place that, that give you a reason to stay in touch with those? Is it a nurturing thing? Do you need to nurture those clients? Can you put in place a client nurturing program for those clients that you really want to keep working with? But it's not until you really have a clear understanding of who you want to work with. As you said, Julie, it's having that real clear vision of where you want to take your business. So who do you want to work with? What is, and then measuring, what is the current retention rate of those particular clients? And what can I do to increase it? Yeah, I love it. Yeah, there you go. Mm, beautiful. Let's talk about, and you've given me a few different um, metrics here that you that you believe that business owners should know. So I'm going to just randomly pick out a couple as we go, if that's all right. <laughs> what about conversion rate? And I love that you've written here, conversion rate at each stage throughout your fu- um, sales funnel. So, yeah, so conversion rates, those are also really helpful at diagnosing, right? At really focusing in on how well your sales funnel is working for you and where you're getting leakage, right? If you think of it, yep. So I would say, you know, start with your leads, how are you acquiring leads? And then, you know, the next stage in your in your funnel. Some people have very, very long ones. Some have just a couple of stages. But if at each stage you just do a quick conversion rate and, you know, again, it's it's 
a simple division kind of thing, mm -hmm. right? So if you started out with, Jen, I'll use your example from before. If you start out with 300 leads and then 210 move to the next stage in your funnel, right? It would just yeah. be 210 over 300, right? And you just calculate your rates down that way until you get to the end. And you can yeah. see, geez, out of 300, I ended up with five people who bought, right? Now that in itself is interesting to figure out, right? Because that helps you kind of reverse engineer um, how many like leads you're going to need in order to be profitable, right? And get enough yeah, absolutely. sales in your business. But it's really interesting to look. Maybe you lose at one stage, you, you lose like 55% of people or something. And so you're did you expect that? Maybe that's something that is expected in your industry. I, I don't know. Maybe that's a big old red flag there that something is broken there. And so again, by looking at, you know, the different stages and doing a quick division and calculating that conversion rate at each stage, you'll be able to see where there are some problems. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also by measuring that conversion rate and knowing what it is, gives you again, the chance to improve it, you know, putting different strategies in place to improve the conversion rate at each and every one of those stages of the funnel that you're talking about. But then also at the very end, you know, who, how many from start to finish are actually coming through and paying you money. And it takes a costs a lot of money and it takes a truckload of time to generate all these new leads. So you don't want to then go and blow it at the conversion stage. You know, it's really, it's a terribly important um, statistic or stat or number or metric for you to look at when you're selling it at any level in any business. How many people are showing interest in what you're doing and then how many people are actually buying? at the end. And if they're not buying, you know, what can you do about it? What are the the strategies that you can put in place to change and, and improve that conversion rate number? You get the chance to ask yourself that. Yep. You got it. And then another of the kind of like the second layer of like analysis that I would, I would look at um, would be, okay, I've got all of these leads, right? And I calculated, I took a look at my funnel and I looked at my conversion rates, but all my leads didn't come from the same place. So again, just like we did with the customers and we kind of broke that down into different kinds of customers and put them in buckets, you could also take a look at different lead sources and look at your conversion rates. And right there, that's going to be really powerful to be able to show you, you'll have it right in front of you, which ones are performing really well and which ones aren't. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to use, um, as an example of that, let's say, for example, you were one of those sources of leads was through your Facebook ads. And it's just because that's just popped into my head for some reason. But if you were gaining some leads through Facebook ads, for example, that's possibly quite a costly approach. Now, if you know that you're actually getting more of your leads from a different area of your business, um, from perhaps a referral system that's set up with somebody else that you work with, if and those are free, those are free leads, but 
the conversion is much higher from those free leads, from those referrals, and maybe that's where you need to start expanding your attention or putting your attention to and and something that's paid, such as a paid marketing or a Facebook ads or whatever it might be, the paid leads generators, you may want to stop doing that because it's costing you too much money. You got it. Yeah. I was working with one client had something similar to this. She was trying to figure out her um, conversion rates and figuring out what what lead sources were the most lucrative for her. And she went into it thinking it was going to be a lead source, we'll call it Facebook ads, right? She also, like through working with with her and talking it through with her, she realized she had another lead source. And it was was a um, community group here in uh, New Hampshire. And so when we rejiggered her numbers and restructured them and looked at it, her, it was, you wouldn't believe how much she was getting from that, that uh, community group that she was Mm. part of. Um, She wouldn't have known that if, if everything wasn't kind of jumbled together, right. Yeah, absolutely. And she took it out. Yeah. And so and that gives her really- then the opportunity to to look at that community group a little bit closer and and ask the question, you know, can I form a a more a strategic alliance with this group? Can I go to people in this group or the people that run this group and say, uh, can can we come up strike a relationship for a paid referral system or something along those lines? What whatever it is, maybe she needs to spend more time working with and for that community group. It gives you an opportunity to then make some really good business decisions based on where you know you are getting some quality leads. You got it. That's exactly Mm. it. And she wouldn't have known if she hadn't, you know, taken a step back. Absolutely. Yep. And just looked at it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So that's conversion rates. We've spoken about customer retention, client retention, conversion rates, What about lifetime customer value? That's another one. These are kind of the big three, Jen, that I talk to, uh, that when I talk to to clients about. Um, Yeah, I love talking about lifetime customer value because it kind of, it encompasses the whole idea of customer retention, right? That we talked about in the beginning, but it puts, it and I hate for it to sound this way, but it puts a price tag on things, right? It puts a profit, but we're in business here. We're in business to make yeah, profits. Absolutely. So, you know, but, um, but yeah, when you think about a customer as in not so much of a transactional way, right. But in more like what we were talking about earlier about as a relationship, right. And building up that no like, and trust factor, you can start looking into, like you and I were talking about, you know, what are the other pain points they have? What are the other subsequent purchases, right, that they might make? You can start figuring out, you know, they might start as they trust you more and they like you more and they see more of your work. They're willing to, for example, for a service provider like me, they're willing to um, invest in higher ticket items, right? So when you start thinking of your customers that way and you start looking at the, the profitability 
and the types of perspective, right? Profitability you can make. Yeah. That puts a completely different spin on how you think about investing in your customers today and and in customer loyalty. Mm. And the importance then, I guess, of making sure that you're attracting the right clients, attracting the right customers, those that that do have the highest potential to have the highest lifetime customer value. You got it. And that really puts an onus on you to be very, very clear. You, not you, Jen, you yes. as a business owner, <laughs> to be very, very clear about exactly who you're serving, who your mm. products are for, um, who you're serving, what kind of relationship you're going to build with them, and really having that authentic kind of relationship with your mm. clients. And do you have a particular way to calculate a lifetime client value? Like, is there anything, is it really just a case of looking at how the services that you offer or the services that you hope to offer in a business and and following through the path that that particular client might take and looking at the different services that they ideally will purchase and, and putting that number against the customer value? Or do you do it a little bit differently? It, it can be that way. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of times um, when I'm working with clients, I'll do, um, if they're thinking of changing their product mix, right? Or something like that. Then we can talk about, you know, this customer has given this product mix, right? Um, a lifetime value expected of X, but with this one, it might be Y. Now, yeah. Y might have a higher profit. It also might come with more cost. There might be regulation. There's something that you have to factor in. But yeah, yeah. It, I'm curious. What do you? What do? You, what comes to mind with you, Jen? I I like the idea of people being able to look at look ahead whether they're offering particular services or products for sale right now but having enough foresight knowing knowing that this particular client or customer is most likely to purchase a and then b and then c and having also an idea of the timeline that's attached to those um, to those purchases as well and are they repeat purchases or are they not? And perhaps if they're not repeat purchases, how can we make them repeat? You know, there's. it's not until you really start looking at it in the um, from the perspective of the lifetime customer value that it really does open up the windows of opportunity there for you as a business owner to start thinking about your clients di- differently. Yeah, and to start thinking about, your business differently too. I mean, sometimes it's, you know, you, you need to start getting into your five and 10 year plans, right? Mm. Like, where are we going to be? What kinds of services and products do we think we'll be offering? Could we even start down that path given the customers we've got now and how likely they are to purchase what we have now on the, on the menu, so to say, so to speak. Um, how likely would they be to do something like that if we put yeah. it out there? What yeah. do we need to take off that menu? What should we potentially add on that menu? You know, start really thinking about 
how you can streamline the services in your business to get you the most for the most uh, the highest lifetime client value for every client that comes your way. But we also shouldn't forget that lifetime client value of client A, who you may not like working with, who could be quite difficult to work with, you may they may have the highest customer value, the highest lifetime customer value. But if you don't want to work with those people, then then that also needs to be taken into account. If you want to work with client B, who is somebody that you actually feel that you really can help and you really want to help and you enjoy working with that type of client, then that's going to be the starting place really, isn't it? It is. It is. And then knowing that, then knowing, then you can start putting into into action all of that um, planning and strategizing about, okay, well, if client B now really is much more like my ideal client, right, going forward, what are her or his pain points? What are they likely to be thinking of or needing or interested in several years down the line that I it's, you know, in my wheelhouse to yeah. provide, right? So, and it's that kind of thinking that, that is, that is really, that can get really exciting, but it's good to have the numbers to kind of drag you back to reality and to, to show you which paths really are potentially lucrative and which ones, you know, they, they might sound great, but yeah, <laughs> they're just not going to work. But what is the reality yeah. 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 Mm. No, this is great. This has been a really good conversation. I'm, I'm hoping that anybody that's listening can just at the very least get a hold of perhaps how important it is as a starting point to understand particular numbers in your business. Now, for your business, if you're listening, it may not be customer retention or conversion rates or lifetime customer value. There are other numbers out there and we're not going to cover all of them today, but the important thing I think is that we understand that by looking at the numbers, just selecting one or two numbers and having a look at them over time, as you mentioned earlier, Julie, it's really important to look at them over time so they start to have a, have more meaning for you. But then saying, okay, well, how do I have to change things up in my business to improve that number? And then you'll have so much more confidence in all of the business decisions that you make going forward. Oh, absolutely. And you know, one tip I would, I, I give people a lot um, is um, a lot of people are very visual and a lot of people are visual learners. Yes. So you and I are talking, you know, and I can see in my head, I can see, you know, rows of numbers, tables of numbers, you know, a spreadsheet in Excel. Um, yeah. Sometimes it's easier to draw a picture. And I mean, it could be absolutely just taking pen and paper and drawing a quick graph or, you know, using Excel. I mean, they've got, it's so simple to, they've got all those built-in charts and graphs. Mm. Pictures really can, they can show you things that you just, you would not see in, you know, columns and rows of numbers. So again, to make things a little less intimidating, try that. And, you know, if you want to go a little crazy, you know, 
don't use the uh, default Microsoft Excel color palette. Go find something really wacky. Yeah. Something. Yeah. Get some fun colors or something. But, you know, start getting your hands dirty with, with your numbers um, yeah. and think about visualizing them. I love that advice about visualizing them and whether it's even something as simple as let's say um, let's say we were talking about a simple conversion rate that you had X, you had a hundred people walk through the door this week and, and have, have a, have a chart on the wall, literally, or, or a, something counting them at the door. I'm trying to, you know, break it down to something like really simple, like some sort of retail business. If somebody's Mm -hmm. walking through the door and you have a hundred people walk through the door in a week, then have a chart sitting right there in front of you up on the wall, obviously where nobody else can see it, but yourself and then mark off visually. Yep. That one bought something, that one bought something, that one bought something. And then all of a sudden your conversion rate becomes at front of mind. It almost becomes enticing for you to want to tick off. Okay. Another one bought something, another one bought something. And I'm kind of making it sound perhaps too simple, but for the sake of having you understand the importance of focusing on something as simple as a conversion rate and having that understanding around what the visual elements can do to help you understand it, but then also encourage you to improve it when you can see it in a different way, other than just like a whole bunch of numbers on a spreadsheet. I love it. And, you know, Jen, that idea there, you kind of made it into almost a little game too. Absolutely. Yeah. We're, we're all a little bit competitive in one way or another, aren't we? So, you know, there are different things that we can do, whatever's going to work for you and your business, or maybe it's your team. Maybe it's the people that are selling for you. Um, you know, make it visual for them and you're the one who's going to reap the rewards and you're the one who's going to see the results. So yeah, I, I love, I've really enjoyed this conversation, Julie, where can people look you up? Um, you know, have you got something there that people could perhaps um, download or or anything like that that you'd like to tell us about? Sure. I You can find me on LinkedIn. You can find my website, jlaanalytics, all one word, .com. You can find me on Instagram, uh, Facebook. I'm out on Clubhouse these days. I pop in and out of rooms there. Um yeah, you know, if you go to my website, you can I have a jump start guide. So kind of jump starting your way into actually looking at your numbers. And it's five Beautiful. easy steps to start actually taking a look without getting overwhelmed. Great. Well, I think I'd encourage anyone who's listening that has any interest in growing their business in a really profitable, intelligent, smart kind of way, then go and jump in to the website, jlaanalytics.com, download, jumpstart your data. And I'm going to put that link in the show notes as well. So if anybody's on the website, on my website or anywhere, you'll find it in the show notes as well. And yeah, maybe it is time for you to jumpstart your data. Love it. Thanks so much for joining me, Julie. It's been great to have you on the podcast. I really appreciate it your your advice your very important advice i think for a lot of business owners thank you it's been a pleasure and wherever you are listening in the world i hope you have a very wonderful week and i shall talk to you again soon thanks julie 
thank you for joining me for this episode of Simply Smarter Numbers. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you subscribe so you automatically get new shows every week. And I'd love to hear from you. Come and join the conversation online. You'll find Simply Smarter Numbers on Instagram, Facebook, and more. Just head to simplysmarternumbers.com and you'll find all that you need there. Simply Smarter Numbers is dedicated to you getting the results that you deserve in your business. And I'm honored that you tuned in.